Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hi, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. Today is episode 44. We're going to discuss, is an indoor mask mandate coming? Um, We are going to be quoting heavily from the Provident uh, Boston Globe. Yeah, Boston Globe. Boston Globe. Uh, Brian Amaral and Alexa Gagos. I hope I said her name right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm my name, so I feel bad already saying it because I could be saying it. You're not Senator De La Cruz? No, I don't know who Senator De La Cruz is, but I know who Senator De La Cruz is. De La Cruz. De La Cruz, yeah. I like that. So we're going to be uh, quoting heavily from that article. They did a great job um, outlining um, people's positions and where they stand. So, um, David, why don't you start off with um, what's this political war in Rhode Island over match mandates? Well, that's what uh, Gosen and Amaral's uh, article title is. There's a political war in Rhode Island over the mask mandates and COVID. And uh, definitely would encourage folks to check it out. Um, really good job dissecting, you know, different parts and different arguments for and against. Um, although I think they left out a few things, and we'll try to cover some of those. But, but all in all, I thought it was a great article. I think uh, there are many people who are advocating for an indoor mask mandate. I think in our circles, maybe we don't hear that as much. But um, in the article, they pointed out that the state's largest hospital group. Um, is uh, is is pushing for hospitals, and that would include Rhode, Rhode Island. Not Hosp- hospitals pushing for the state. Excuse me. Yeah, is pushing the state or urging the state to um, to implement an indoor mask mandate policy you know, mm. statewide. So it's um, it, the hospitals are seeing you know an increase in hospitalization, and and that's making them um, very concerned. And then uh, there's also the Rhode Island Medical Society, which uh, represents physicians across the state, and they're also urging the state to consider an indoor mask mandate. Um, so that uh, hospital group, Lifespan, of course, that's a um, that, that's the hospital group representing Rhode Island Hospital. Uh, which other ones? Is uh, Kent? I believe Women and Infants, I think. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'll uh, I'll double check on that. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, oh, Rhode Island, Newport, and Miriam. Excuse oh, me, Miriam. Rhode Island Hospital, okay. Newport, and Miriam. So, uh, so anyways, they uh, were urging a uh, mask uh, mandate indoors nationwide. Uh, Landmark Medical Center up in our neck of the woods is also urging for it. Um, and Governor uh, Dan McKee, who has not definitively said he is going to implement one, has been vocally uh considering it he's just said well, right now it's wait and see but it's uh, you know we have to consider uh, we have to leave every option on the table yeah well um usually he usually he he tends to go um really because of the pressure that he's receiving uh, right being in a primary but right. i'd like to point out that healthcare providers are doing their job right mm-hmm. when if they feel that a mask mandate is helpful, they're going to uh, voice their opinion on public health policy. But um, not all physicians feel the same way because I've spoken to a few physicians and um, their opinions do vary and they all need to be heard. So I I don't fault these healthcare providers for, for expressing uh, their opinion. The governor's job is to balance not only um, the health outcomes of the state, but also mm-hmm. the impact of the state as a whole. Right. Um, so you have these healthcare providers that are laser focused on uh, health outcomes, 
um, the governor has to, when it comes to COVID, he has to balance um, the health of the state as well. Right. He's, he's sort of like the chief executive of the state. So the DOH, they're, they're charged with watching the health. But then there's uh, commerce in the state and considering the economy and the economic re- repercussions mm-hmm. of something like this. So and we haven't recovered. Pre-pandemic, we are not where we should be. Right. So um, that is clear. Serious, yeah. Mm-hmm. Serious. Uh, what do you call them? Negative outcomes. Right. Would happen over COVID. So yeah. Next but, one. But uh, uh, Governor McKee's primary opponents, to your point, they are taking some shots at him. Uh, Seth Magaziner, our current general treasurer, who is term limited, he he's got to run for another office, so he's decided to run for governor, he's seen this as an opportunity to criticize the governor and urge that we should be doing this. And he would probably say we should have been doing it two weeks ago or a month ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same thing with Helena Folks. Uh, Her campaign released a statement as well. If you don't know Helena Folks, she's also the, uh, I don't know if she's currently or if she's retired from it, but she was a CBS executive. And she's also thrown her hat in the ring to run run for governor. So Dan McKee, I know he's been uh, criticized, I think, by a lot of folks saying that he's um, um, been dictatorial or he's been, uh, you know, too heavy with uh, some of his executive power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that he's bad. But the truth is there's worse out there, that there are others that are urging for, you know, every child to be vaccinated and um, um, the the indoor mask mandate should have happened weeks ago or months ago. So, so you know, it's... Um, He's in a, obviously, he's in a tough spot, uh, but there are other people that are are in strong opposition to the mask mandate. And uh, did you want to talk about some of those? The article did not bring up the business community. So right. while they did talk about there's this conflict and this war, uh, it didn't really highlight what the other side is mm-hmm. and who would say we don't need this or, or there are other considerations that need yeah. to be weighed. I was expecting to read something on that because if you're talking about a war, then there are usually you know, right. two sides. Uh, <laughs> two sides like to a somebody, conflict. Yeah, two sides. To, yeah. One person, you know, one group may be against the mask while other one is for. So maybe there's like a follow up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, to your point, there are going to be more progressive candidates running for office. Um, but um, I hate to see the governor cave to his, the more progressive uh, opponents. It really doesn't give Rhode Islanders a choice, you know, when they're looking for a moderate mm-hmm. to vote for. Well, I, I'm happy that he hasn't jumped headlong into this, um, into a mask mandate so quickly and that he is considering it. Um, you know, that, that gets me a little nervous. But some of those that are opposed to it that the article did leave out are the members of the business community. Uh, I heard from many of them, you know, even in uh, other forms of local media, that uh, they they are not excited about it at all right. because they know that it will uh, uh, hurt the um, hurt different segments of the economy, the the hospitality industry, you know, all of the hospitals and tourism. They would certainly be affected by something like that. And it's not just an issue of dollars and cents. It's um, you know, if if the tourism or the business community is affected by this and people do lose their jobs or they're working less hours, that has an economic pressure on the individual that will trickle up to the state level. Mm-hmm. And and it will trickle across the rest of the state where people won't be able to pay their rent. They won't be able to spend their money. I mean, Christmas is just uh, days and weeks away. So it could put a lot of pressure on the state economically. Yeah, definitely. And you see people going to vacation in places like Florida because 
they're looking for a sense of normalcy. They're mm-hmm. looking for, you know, to to get away from 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 these uh, mandates that. And not only that, just vacationing, but as you know, we've met a bunch of people that said they're moving and some of them have already moved to to states that um, allow for that um, personal choice. And here's the thing. Uh, There was just a Twitter post uh, by one of the talk show hosts on WPRO, Tara Granahan, and she had posted a picture of uh, Speaker uh, Sakarchi and Senate President Dominic Ruggiero, and she, she wanted to know, was it? You know, was was it the right thing to be doing that? That are there at a casino? They don't have a mask on. She wanted to know if it was hypocritical, and you know, she's asking for opinions. But and a lot of people chimed in. Mm-hmm. But you know, my thought is that these individuals are exercising their freedom and their autonomy. And I said in my um, Twitter post, and they know the risks mm-hmm. involved. Um, they weighed those risks. They made a decision, and they know they have to live with that decision. But my my stance is why not now let's lead by example, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. let every Rhode Islander choose for themselves as well. Let them do the same. Let them weigh the risk, the reward. And um, I, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be a um, uh, not a mainstream issue, mainstream position anymore to just uh, allow people to make that choice and that decision for themselves. Right. Did you see, um, or do you want to read uh, Representative Blake Philippi? He's another opponent to the idea of an indoor mask mandate. Do you mandate. have it handy? I do, I have right, it. Yeah. Actually, the, the Boston Globe article um, actually included the tweet in the uh, in their post. The article up. <laughs> well, it says, um, let's see, uh, if you don't know Representative Blake Philippi, he's the Republican from Block Island. Who is uh, who's also on the short list of Republicans who is strongly considering a run for run for governor? David, Any thoughts on that? David first? is looking at me as he's saying that. I was like, wait a minute, I do know Leader Filippi. Yeah, <laughs> but then I realized, okay, this is for people listening. <laughs> of course, I know you know who he is. You work work with him, um, but he uh, he he tweeted out uh, Thursday morning. He said, "I will mask or not mask purely in my own discretion and judgment." No executive order by Governor Dan McKee or regulation by a state health official will change that. So he is strongly came out against an indoor mask policy that would be mandated across mm-hmm. the state. Really, he's more, of course, in support of a more libertarian and individual liberty kind of Allowing position. people the, their freedom and autonomy. Which sounds autonomy. like more or less yeah. your position. Because he's weighing the risks and the rewards, mm-hmm. if there are, you know, are any, but he's weighing those risks. Right. And, um, you know, are people, is, are these individuals without a mask, are they vaccinated? Mm-hmm. You know, are, do, they, do they have underlying health conditions? These are decisions that people need to make for themselves. Right. Um, so, yeah. Well, that, that would be another argument in opposition to an indoor mask mandate, that if we, if we have been so successful at vaccinating the public, which full credit says, to yeah. Governor McKee, he has been very, very successful at pushing this, uh, regardless of the other, you know, the blowback and mm-hmm. unintended side effects. He's been very, very effective at that. So we have 95% of the adults in Rhode Island who have received at least one jab of the uh, of the vaccine, uh, or one dose of it. And the state's also been rolling out boosters on a regular basis. So if mm-hmm. the vaccines work, and I tend to believe they do. They do work to uh, slow the spread and and uh, lessen a person's, um, what are they called, uh, uh, symptoms. Mm-hmm. Then um, 
then why would we why do we need an indoor mask mandate? Um, you were talking about it earlier, but there were two strategies, right, to mm-hmm. to deal with the pandemic. Right. You want to talk about that? Well, the first strategy was um, to slow the spread. Was to you know have the two weeks to slow the spread. Everyone locked down, stay at home, don't go out. Um, wear a mask. Wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And and then the second one that we were told is now that we have once a vaccine becomes available. So we waited like a year for a vaccine. Now once the ma- uh, vaccine becomes available, we'll be able to um, go back to normal. Um, so now here we are vaccinated second highest vaccination rates in the country um and we're looking back to these mitigating measures Mm -hmm. we're we're looking back to masking again um i don't think that they will impose um restrictions on businesses only because businesses were decimated during Mm -hmm. the pandemic so i don't think they'll do that again i don't think that Rhode Island can survive that. Well, you don't think they'll put uh, in a, an indoor mask mandate on no, businesses? No, no. Businesses, I, I definitely see business, that happening. What I mean is like restricting hours or... Oh, how um, many? Yeah, capacity. Okay. You know, you can only have 50% capacity. I don't see those things um, happening. And one other thing that I think uh, uh, the opposition to any indoor mask mandate, uh, one thing that they're holding on to is that the uh, the Omicron variant seems to be much more mild than the others. Now, maybe it's too early to, to be definitive on that, but a lot of the early reports are that uh, it, it doesn't have the severe respiratory issues. It's, uh, the symptoms are not nearly as severe as the uh, the Delta or certainly the, is it COVID alpha? Is that what they were calling it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's uh, it doesn't seem to be as, as bad. So that gives some optimism that maybe uh, Maybe where you know if Omicron does actually get out here, um, it, it may actually be something that will provide more natural human uh, natural immunity. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know enough about it. I, I've only seen you know news reports. Uh, I did watch some British news, and they, a physician there had said that um, there were no deaths um, associated with. I think it was in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And it was very mild and actually would be um, bring upon the individual who who contracted the Omicron variant uh, immunity. Natural immunity. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it's too early to say for too sure. Too early to say. So, um, but I do think that maybe this healthcare crisis that we're in is self-inflicted. Now, in that Boston Globe article, it was talking about how this is not healthcare rationing. Mm-hmm. But when you and I were reading the article, you took issue with that. Yeah, there were a couple. So I'm looking at the the article right now. I had to pull it up. But it says Dr. Dean Roy, Senior Vice President for Medical Affairs and Chief Medical Officer at Rhode Island Hospital said, quote, not rationing care. The hospital is not rationing care. Um, But then he also says, quote, we're looking at our cases and occasionally we do have to postpone cases so we can maintain our primary mission, end quote, said Roy, who was a surgeon. Again, I'm quoting the Boston Globe article. Um, so he goes from we're not rationing care to we have to postpone in order to maintain our primary mission, which is keeping people alive, right? Um, and then Dr. Michelle Levy, um, same article, the director of critical care at Lifespan, she um, said that there is shrinking availability of critical care nurses, which is forcing the system to reduce the number of critical care beds. Mm-hmm. Um so that sounds like a healthcare 
uh, that sounds like rationing to sounds me. Sounds like rationing, yeah. You're saying it's not rationing, but we have to reduce the number of beds and we can't per, we have to postpone procedures. All right. Now, here's the other thing. That's a good point. The other thing that um, um, the article pointed out, and McKee even made this point, is, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what metrics are we going to look at? So I think most people, when they are talking about COVID, they just talk about the positive cases. Right. You know, we've had thousands of people who mm -hmm, tested positive. Mm -hmm. But you and I know that most of the, the vast majority of those who test positive are going to have very mild symptoms. You know, it's, it really is almost a cold or a bad flu. But most are not being hospitalized. Mm -hmm. uh, the data is very clear on that. Yeah. It, you know, of course, it ticks up the older you get. And if you have comorbidities, you know, obesity or heart issues, then you're going to have some, yeah. you know, a higher likelihood of hospitalization. I had been looking at hospitalization and death. Like those should be the almost only uh, statistics that we should be looking at, at least from my point of view. But again, I'm, I'm no doctor. I'm no specialist or epidemiologist or virologist. But I, I do feel that those should be the metrics we're looking at. Now, Governor McKee actually made the case that it's not even hospitalizations that he's looking at. He argued that it's the low levels of staffing Mm -hmm. that uh, will drive his decision. Right. So I, I don't hear any of the media really covering that. That leads me to ask the question, you know, what are the staffing levels and how close are we to reaching those? Are we at 90% or 80% capacity? Um, are we, uh, and maybe that's why he was thinking about bringing in the National Guard as some sort of a, you know, auxiliary uh, or a support role or administrative mm -hmm. role in this. But um uh, even the, the the low staffing levels, which he couched in a national uh, argument, he basically framed it as, this is not a Rhode Island problem, this is across the nation. It's true that it's across the nation. However, mm -hmm. problems always magnified here in Rhode Island. We always seem to be, you know, the saying is, first into a recession, last out. Yeah. So, you know, worst roads in the country. Um, we have a serious healthcare uh, shortage here. Only... Uh, exasperated by the fact that right. some of these healthcare providers were let go. Right. It was a self-inflicted self -inflicted. healthcare crisis Absolutely. or self-inflicted low levels of staffing, however you want to couch but, it and talk about yeah, it. Yeah. To your point. Um, yeah, of course we, we, you know, COVID is serious and people have died. I mean, you've done funerals for individuals who died of COVID people who, you know, even people uh, who um, were, uh, substances to um, to make themselves feel better in, mm -hmm. in the pandemic and you know lost their life to substance abuse. So you've right, right. you've seen it up hand, mm -hmm. up close and personal. And so I I'm not diminishing uh, the impact and the pain on these families, um, but we should be looking at um, the hospitalizations and and the deaths from COVID, not um, the positive rates. Because I'm just trying to from point of reference. You know, use the flu as an example. It's not but, saying that this is the flu. It's not the flu. Right. It's not the same. Um, but we have, started, depending on the year, some mm -hmm. flu seasons are worse than others. And um, we don't shut down um, the economy. We don't, um, we don't suspend life mm -hmm. as, as, as we know it to, right. um, to combat the flu. Right. So, Anyways, from the from the doctors that I've spoken to, they've said 
COVID's going to be with us forever. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to have different strains every year. The WHO, World Health Organization, which, by the way, I don't necessarily trust. I uh, I don't want to sound like yeah, I'm, I'm that cynical. Yeah. But um, they uh, they said everyone is going to get COVID. They just said the, the whole world just has to recognize everyone is going to be infected with it. The question is, you know, are you which variant? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you going to be vaccinated? Is the vaccine? Severity. Yeah, all that stuff. But but their argument was we have to think of it as an endemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are transitioning to that sort right. of um, uh, view of, uh, of COVID. Uh, so th- there are some arguments for and against it. And I think both arguments are pretty compelling. Um, I am definitely on the side of let people choose. Um, is that your position as well? Yeah, well, I, we're two years into this. And, um, you know, I I have... I have faith in the people that I represent, that they um, are intelligent people and Mm -hmm. that they read the news, that they, again, risk, they weigh the risks. And because we live in America, the land of the the free, Mm -hmm. um, we've gotten to the point where individuals need to make that decision for themselves. Yeah. And for their kids. Right, right. I know, yeah. I mean, we we didn't even touch on the... um... Uh, masking of students. What I found, uh, I think a lot of people was were bothered by that uh, casino tweet, the one that showed some of the uh, politicians in there, was that um, you know they weren't wearing a mask, and that was their decision. They were they were certainly free to do that. We support them in right. that decision. I do. But um, to see that children are being mandated to wear a mask in schools when they, of all the demographics, have the least incidences of hospitalization and severity of COVID. So right. to see them being uh, mandated to wear a mask really bothers a lot of, a lot of parents. Uh, and then to see, you know, other state leaders, you know, uh, not wearing a mask in public settings, the hypocrisy there really, really irks them. That's, what, that's, that's exactly right. People feel it's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And we, we've gotten to the point where uh, what I feel is like the government is mothering its citizens, saying, you know, you don't know, um, you can't, you're not intelligent enough to make this decision for yourself. And, you know, I've been in, in situations where I put on a mask because I feel like I should wear one. But that's, again, my decision. I'm weighing the risk and um, the possible outcomes. So, Well, uh, maybe a good way to kind of wrap this up is just to leave you with uh, what Governor Dan McKee's uh, closing uh, argument was or closing statement was in in the press conference and in that Boston Globe article. It says, I want to be clear, all all options remain on the table in terms of mitigation strategies, including reinstating an indoor mask mandate. So Rhode Island, here's what I'm asking of you. I am asking you to continue to do your part. And uh, I think I would uh, just to add to that, I, I feel like Rhode Islanders have been doing their part for the better part of a year and a half. Yeah. Um, we've been putting up with a lot of the mandates and uh, the lockdowns and not seeing grandma and doing doing our part. Um, there's definitely a case of COVID fatigue in the state and people are ready to push past it. Yeah. We'll see what happens with this indoor mask mandate. We can keep our fingers crossed. And I would definitely encourage you, if you feel strongly one way or the other about this, contact the governor's office. Uh, call him and uh, you won't be able to speak to him. I was speaking to someone yesterday who said, can't you just get a meeting with the governor and tell him, you know, it's a bad idea? It's like, no, that's not, that's not how it works. 
I, uh, you know, I've tried, I've tried to get meetings with him. I can't even get him to read my emails, let alone. You uh, said that? Yeah. Well, I didn't say that to them, but they, um, you know, it's, it's a state of a million of people, a million people. He's a busy guy. Uh, so I, I don't expect that he's going to sit down and talk to me. Um, you've had some meetings with him. Yes. And uh, his indifference. <laughs> that's, oh, no. that's what I got from my meeting. Um, body language says a lot. But uh, when he's facing away from you and you're sitting right across the table from him and he's staring at the wall, then. Uh, oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Body language is, is a huge, huge. Yeah part of communication. Yeah, I'll just give you guys a mental picture. You're, you know, you're sitting across the table from someone and trying to argue a case. You're arguing a case and his body. And it wasn't even about COVID or no, no. The, the pandemic necessarily. But. It was a district issue that I was trying to advocate for um, the constituents. And he was, uh, he's not moved at all by our plea for help. So, well, they are, <laughs> I, I, you know, if it was a good, um, if it was a positive interaction, I would say it because there's no reason for me not to say it. I mm -hmm. don't hate the man. I just don't like the direction that he's going. That um, he go, and I see this on uh, with the Democrats every time there's an election. If you have a more progressive um, candidate, mm -hmm. or uh, you go left, you go left. Yeah, you go further left, you and then to... you hope that the middle stays with you. But then the middle is like, why bother? They, they throw right. up their hands and say, why bother voting? They're all the same. Yeah. So stand out, be mm -hmm. a leader, mm -hmm. make a stand, and give somebody a choice when right. it comes to governor. Well said. All right. <laughs> Stick around for today's closing quotation. We'll see you next week. Today's closing quotation comes from philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau. I prefer liberty with danger to peace with slavery. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 